Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, hello, church. It is so good to see you, and I wanted to start today with all of these, and I want to talk about what all of these are. Many of us, it seems, this spring in particular, are going through seasons of loss, Uh, and it's widely known that I've had two very, very good friends commit suicide in this last month, and we got uh, notice last night from John Noblock and his family. He's been a member here since early. I'd met him first in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, just a bit south of Cleveland. He was uh, a part of the Church in the Falls there, one of the first progressive churches in that particular tribe. And I was there to do youth rallies, which I used to be young enough to do. And this, this little man came next to me. Now, I'm a little man too, so it's rather ironic for me to talk like that. But he came in, and he was in radio, and I love radio. Uh, for those of you under 30, it was an app that your cars and homes had that you could carry around in your pocket for $5 if you bought one of those little radios. And you could take it to the beach, and it was amazing, and it had commercials, and it had... Um, you know, rock and roll and Wolfman Jack. And if you don't know who that is, your life is poor. And I, I, I will pray for you. I will pray for you. He was a spiritual leader of a generation. Um, and we would listen to the hits and listen to ball games and such. And so we had a lot to talk about. And we've been in touch over the years. Well, John uh, found he had cancer uh, a little while back. And he's had a few rounds of chemo that have not helped. And so he's in hospice care. And his, his wife says that I think it was last week, sing, the singing of um, Wayfaring Stranger hit him so hard that he listened to it repeatedly through the week, and he sends us his love as he is planning to see Jesus before us. And so these things, you may think that you know, you're in Ohio, or you're in Oklahoma, or you're in Tanzania, hi Epaphras, I saw you check in, and you might think then that you're not really a part of what the 20 to 40 of us in this room do. But you are, and you are in our hearts. And those of you that saw the very first, you might have been going, I didn't hear, I didn't understand what those men were saying. You know something? That's exactly what the phone calls sound like too. At this particular time, there was a rodeo, an actual rodeo going on. And you can't go to a private room. This is a prison. This is Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, Louisiana. Tammy uh, Matthews and his beautiful wife, Ramona, have long been working with these prisoners and prisoners in other places as well, quietly, and developing friends. And now we have 38, as of this week, Tammy said, 38 of these men receive our lessons every week. And they don't just receive them. As you heard, they're studying them. They're sharing them. 
we would have had more than 38, but our people keep getting released. Yeah, so that's a good thing, right? Uh, that's a good thing. <clears throat> well, this sermon's not about me, but I, I kind of have to use me f- here for a moment, please. And then I'll hopefully show you why it's not really about me. When the prisoners heard from Tammy that I had had one friend commit suicide and that my mother had fallen and was hospitalized and that I was being torn back and forth, they didn't even know about the other one because that would happen later. They wrote me. Now, I get letters, mainly emails. There are a lot here. And you at the soundstage... um, I don't even know if you can see just the hands of... I've gotten letters from prisoners in my time. A lot. And they all wanted something. Which I don't... I'm not upset at that. Some wanted money. Some wanted me to intervene. Some wanted me to talk to someone. That's all right. That's fine. None of that's in here. There is not one request for anything. It is all about we are so sorry for you we're praying for you. Here's our experiences. Because if you want to know about suicide, talk to a prisoner. There are a lot that occur there. And they, every one of them was just sweet and kind. And there were even two cards for Mother Mead. So I will be delivering those. Uh, I got a, when we first got back from our trip, uh, Dave Cassily handed me a, well, you got to go sign for something at the post office. Now, that, that's always a, a Schrodinger's cat thing, if you don't know what that... It's all possibilities. Am I being sued? Is someone sending me a check? Am I getting... You know, did I win a contest? I forgot that I entered. Has a long-lost relative tracked me down? You, you never know. So I, I went and... It was the most... Uh, more stamps on this thing than I'd ever seen. I don't know what the denomination was. It may be three cents. And the lady at the post office said, well, you're supposed to sign it, but I don't know how he'll get it back because he didn't put on his address. And so I helped fill out the address, open it up, more letters flowed out. Now, I want to talk to you about this because this fits the sermon today. These men, by and large, most of them, belonged in prison. They did the deed. They do not They do not dispute that. Uh, One or two will say, I didn't do that deed. But they did other deeds. They are very upfront about it. And if you're like most people, you're very suspicious of jailhouse conversions. You know, come on, what are you going to get out of this? These men, most of them, are on life row. And the odds that they will ever get out, very small. That's not what they're doing it for. Whenever I was uh, asked to be a a spiritual advisor to one of the men on death row who could not be in that because they they can't do that, uh, one of the things that they assured me of, the chaplain down there assured me of, is that Bobby's conversion was very sincere. And for decades and decades, he has been a leading light in sharing Christ, kindness, tamping down issues, and more and more and more of them. But here's the thing, and most of them will tell you this. Had they not been put in prison and have to go through what they're going through, they would not have come to the peace 
and sweetness of soul that they have now. You see, as we brought up in a sermon earlier, right before Easter, there has to be a cross before there's a crown. Now, originally, this sermon was written to be preached before Easter, but other sermons needed to be preached, and Dave actually has me on a timer up there, and we all laugh and laugh because I'm not going to look at the thing. The thing being the timer, not Dave. Dave's beautiful look at. Uh, he's, he's, he's a wonder. He's a wonder. So he is. But I, I think it's valuable to teach lessons that bump the Christian calendar around like Doug did today when you, you brought up Handel's Messiah. And yes, a lot of people will think of Christmas when you think of that. And I think we should talk about the birth of Christ in July and we should talk about the death of Christ in November. We should remind ourselves of what our story is. As the old hymn, Abide With Me, says, Hold thou thy cross before my dying eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. The cross is our glory, but it is a huge stumbling block to the world. And I would like to make a suggestion for you. This is, and again, this is the last day of April where we're doing this. We know a lot of you watch later most people watch later, and we get that, and we love you by that. But normally you make a New Year's resolution around New Year's. Well, in Christ, all things are always new, so let's start again. Read the Gospels over and over, intentionally read them. You might even just pick one. Which one should you pick? Uh Uh-uh, not doing that. You and God sort that out. The story of Jesus changes us, and it is there that we see the problem and the glory of the cross. N.T. Wright said that Christians, and N.T. Wright, by the way, is a very positive man, although this sounds like a negative comment. It is meant to be a teaching comment. N.T. Wright says Christians tend to read the Gospels as we read Aesop's fables. We read, and we get a little story, we get a little moral, and we move on, but that's That's not what they're there for. Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. How do you know if the conscience voice or the way you're interpreting Paul or Peter or John is really from Jesus? Well, you're going to have to know his voice first. You're going to have to know those gospels so that the gospels will know you and you will know his voice. Read intentionally. Pray before you read, then read, then pray after you read. There is a tradition in many churches, I believe that the Episcopalians and and, um, Baptists, not Baptists, I'm sorry, Presbyterians and others, by and large have the tradition. But in the churches that I grew up in, in that particular tribe, whenever and throughout the United Kingdom, they still will say, the word of God, and then they read. And then they will say something like, blessed be the word of God. Or may we all hear the word of God. That's what I'm talking about. Get your mind set. Read it. Not in bed. Not in bed. I used to read books in bed. I don't now. I open them up, gone. Not in bed. Let's make this intentional. We need to know Jesus. We need to know him thoroughly, getting his voice, his heart, and his attitude into our personality. Letting him work 
through our hands, through our money, through our heart. Put this on a t-shirt. Jesus cannot flow out of you until he has flowed into you. When are you letting him flow into you? And where do you do that? I believe that there are two places where I've seen this in my life. This and felt the flowing of God. One is song. Uh, there are times where hearing a song helps my faith at a particular time. I needed to hear that song. I needed to be a part of that song. And the other are the Gospels. And if you want to tell me, well, Jesus is on every page, granted. But he doesn't flow, let's say, in the first several chapters of Chronicles where they list all of the tribes. I don't feel a flowing of the Spirit there. I know God did that. He did it on purpose and, and fine. But I, I hear his voice in Gospels. And I also hear his voice when you allow him to flow through you, as the book of Acts did uh, in the shortest biography of Jesus ever written. He went about doing good. You do good, you join the team. From the earliest days of our faith, people have had a problem, though, with the cross, with the crucified God. The Jews were disappointed, thinking, how can he be the one? How can he be the promised one? All of these hundreds of years... And then he dies on a cross. And in fact, if you remember, some of them were still giving him the chance to prove himself. By standing at the cross, they would say, let's see if the one who healed others, if the angels will come and he'll take him off the cross. They were still waiting. But that cross, that was difficult. And in the tribes of Europe, missionaries found very, very early that trying to talk about a crucified God was not working, was not working at all. Whenever I go around visiting people, one of, and you, need, you know, just got back from trip to uh, Kirksville, Missouri, and Murray, Kentucky, met with a lot of our members. By the way, those of you in Oklahoma, uh, next Monday, not tomorrow, but Monday the 8th, I'll be in Oklahoma City. Uh, write us at info at rsafeharbor.com or go to our website. Because the, the address, the times, and even a little video about what we do is there. And next Tuesday, the 9th, I'll be in Tulsa. Right now, we're looking for Wednesday. We don't want to interrupt a church and church services. And so we're looking either around Poto, Oklahoma area, or way up in Springfield, Missouri. So get your votes in you know, to help direct me on the way back. All right? That said, when you enter an area, whether it is ancient Norway in the Nordic tribes or whether it is Oklahoma City, you're going to find people balk at the idea of a crucified God and they have questions. Peter and First Peter says it is a stumbling block. And it is. Now for most of us it isn't because we've heard the story all of our life, we get the pattern and maybe we've even learned not to ask very many questions. But I can still remember the two med students that I ate with that, uh, we were doing a week-long program in upstate New York. Um, we, when I say we were doing, I want to make sure, I, we were attending uh, a program, a medical program upstate New York. And two of the medical students, we talked all the time because they started off with, why, are, why do you believe in God? And so every meal, and they finally, near the end, one of them said, well, I think, I think I'm ready to believe in God, but I don't think it'll be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I said, why is that? 
And she said, too much blood, too much death and the cross. That doesn't make sense. Why would he have to do this? Well, many of us will then say, well, um, well, there were a bunch of sins and sin must be paid for. The guilt must be paid for. So Jesus paid our debt so that we can go into heaven. That system, as we talked about several weeks ago, is called vicarious atonement. That God is righteous and holy and good. No argument there. And that sin is a terrible offense against God. No argument there. To forgive our sins, there must be the shedding of blood. There you need to hesitate. Because if you know your Old Testament, you know there were a whole lot of sacrifices that did not involve blood. But we tend to forget those when we make this argument. But moving on. Since God said animal sacrifices could only do so much, that they had to be repeated again and again. So God had to send Jesus to earth to suffer and die, bearing the weight of all of our sins and paying the price so that we would be saved. I think all of us know that story, do we not? Those of us that grew up in churches. And there's a great deal right about all of that. There is no question that Paul and the writer of Hebrews emphatically state that our sins required a sacrifice and that Jesus, our great high priest, made that sacrifice for us. However, there are some problems. It doesn't answer all the questions about why Jesus had to die that way. And it makes God and Jesus... It puts them on different sides. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever spent time with the scripture long enough? If Jesus is paying for our sins, who is he paying? If you say God, we have a problem. Because God and Jesus are one. So how, do you, how does that work? A great many people, by the way, that you know and interact with, think about that. We don't because we've been told the story. We took it. We moved with it because it is mostly true. But if you remember a phrase I used several times before Easter, and that is more than one thing can be true at a time. Yeah, this is true. But if we stop there, as one person in America told me not long ago, he says, whenever you say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, I think, well, according to the preachers I heard, it's more like God hated the world so much that he killed his only son. Were you aware we have that gulf between us? Now what do we do? How do we talk to them about what a cross means? Uh, by the way, I don't think that person's reworking of that verse was fair. Told him so. And we worked from there. But it's a real stumbling block to many I think if we knew our Old Testament better, we could answer a lot of their objections. For example, Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for most of us, we think God had forsaken him at that moment. Other teachers I'd had growing up said, Jesus just thought he had, but God had not. They were both wrong. Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. And if you don't know Psalm 22, you don't get what he was saying. Because Psalm 22, um, it's a long psalm. I, I thought about reading the whole thing today. Looking back up, I don't know if I could do that. Um, in the time allotted, but I'll do this. Hang on, papers, don't go flying yet. He does, I'm, 
My God, it starts, it starts. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Anybody feel like this? Anybody? Uh, me? I have. A lot of times I've thought my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. They are not getting anywhere. My God, I cry out day by night. But you do not answer. I find no rest. Yet you're enthroned as the Holy One, as the one Israel praises. Now, don't holy that up. When I hear this read sometimes, as but you are the Holy One. No, he's complaining. You're God. Be God. Fix this. But the psalm is intentionally written to resolve. And as he moves, he goes, you know, my bones are broken. My, my body is open for display. God's hidden his face for me. And then he starts moving toward, and then God redeems me through this. Not by taking it away, but through the pain, through the difficulty. That's where I am redeemed. And he ends loving God and saying, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, listen to this, he has done it. Done what? If you read back through, there's nothing that links that to what has been said before, unless you understand that this earth is supposed to be hard. It is supposed to be a prison. It is supposed to be the work training area. And we are redeemed by our faithfulness through suffering. What about Jesus? Why did he have to die that way? Oh, do you remember the phrase, yet he learned humility by the things that he suffered. That bothered me as a boy. Why would Christ have to learn anything? He's God. He had to learn it because he was in human skin. And we have to learn it through the scars. How does that change the problem of Jesus? Jesus didn't die only to forgive sins, which he did forgive sins. And he did defeat the devil. And he did defeat death. No question. But he also died to show us how. How to die. There used to be a common prayer in Christian churches that asked God to give us a faithful life and a good death. And on altars, there would always be a memento mori. Anybody remember those? If you grew up in a Catholic church, Roman or Orthodox, a reminder of death. Sometimes a little crucifix, sometimes a human skull. But there would be a way to remember as you're looking at the glory in the cathedral, death, because it is part of the plan. Once you realize this, I believe that changes Jesus' utterance in every conceivable way. When Jesus was born, the forces of darkness began to gather. He had to flee as a child to Egypt to get away from the, um, the evil Herod, the great. And the word the great there is not my term. That's historian's term. He wasn't great in anybody's eyes. Demon-possessed people began showing up. Sick people began showing up. 
And John would masterfully set this in his first chapter with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with Him. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing that has been made was made. And He goes on and then hits... And the light enters the darkness, but the darkness does not understand it. And the darkness comes against the light. And in fact, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls is even titled, The War Between the Sons of Light and the Sons of Darkness. Very, very possible that they were highly uh, led, influenced by John's gospel and by the teaching of Jesus that we are light and darkness, but the darkness does not dispel. Sometimes the light attracts it, but it's our job. And now the problem of the cross begins to show some chips and cracks. By the cross, Jesus had to die, as was prophesied in Isaiah 53, one of the most powerful chapters in a very powerful book. I want you to keep reading the Gospels. But I challenge you to try to read Isaiah without thinking every single chapter he's talking about today. When he talks about the breakdown of society, enemies, the the falseness of our leaders, and people crying safety when there is no safety and peace when there is no peace. As he puts it in one remarkable passage, truth has fallen in the street and no one is there to help it. Does that sound like today? (coughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus did everything he said he would do. The atonement was not just the cross. You even hate to use the word just and cross in a sentence. (coughs) Excuse me. The atonement was his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and the mediation. Atonement is ongoing. Jesus didn't retire. Because he took on human form and became one of us, he became a high priest showing us the greatest sacrifice for us, willingly, had been part of the plan from the beginning. This was always there. The shadow of the cross fell over the manger because it was always there. I remember when my, I'm going to do this out of order, our son was born six years after our daughter. When my son was born, I laughed because now... There was another mead, and that might not go well with the world, but there it is. And it was going to be fun regardless, and it has been. But when my wee daughter was born there in Southern General Hospital, because it was south of the Clyde River in Glasgow, Scotland. I know it sounds like something around here, but no. Whenever I got to see her, I cried. Because... (laughs) One of the wee nurses that they call sisters. One of the wee nurses goes, oh, he wanted a boy. Well, I did. But um, in fact, when they handed this little purple wrinkled thing to me, my first thought was, well, he's deformed. You know, but I'll try to love him. You know, and then I wondered, where do you blow it up? Because it's obviously not inflated. Um, and then they said, oh, it looks like you, which then we had a few words. <laughs> but I cried because I immediately knew I didn't get a keeper. You know, daughters, daughters move on. And my, my daughter happened to find a man who's better than me, and I don't say that lightly. And have, she has done tremendously, but still, little miffed, 
that I couldn't keep her. When we look at our lives, we don't get to keep it. We look at our stuff, we don't get to keep it. It's part of the journey that takes us and turns these men, many of whom have killed and robbed and other, and turn them now to sweetness. And friends, it's real. When I go down there, prisoners are coming up to me, and they're not, not a single one has come up to me to complain or tell a story or with a downcast. They're smiling. They are beaming with Jesus. And the only way they could get there was a cross. Do you remember Jesus told us that, did he not? He said, you want to do this? Pick up your cross and follow me. I'm a very spoiled individual. My work is busy, and yes, I work all the time, and I love that. But yesterday, we took time off to go watch the Nashville Soccer Club play, uh, and we loved doing that as well. We came home. My wife made shepherd's pie for us because I'm Scottish, and she's beautiful. Uh, and and it, I, I thought, how did we get this life? How did we get this life? This is an amazing life. But I'm also aware I don't get to keep it. And so I'll head over to Oklahoma City. I'll go to Tulsa. I'll figure out where we're going next whenever people say, well, we're here, you know, near Springfield, Monette, anywhere southwest Missouri, or we're here in eastern Oklahoma and we'd like to see you. Our Fort Smith, um, we have a lot of friends in Fort Smith. Fort Smith, I'm not coming to you this time because the Cogswells are taking a much needed vacation and I can't go there and miss them. So I'll come back, all right? Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry, not sorry. I want to see Dave and, you know, uh, the, these people have been with us from the first, have they not? Like Jan. It's so good to have Jan with us. Moving on. When life gets difficult, what do we do? Even though we're spoiled. Our microwave breaks and we're standing in front of it going, there is no God. You know, we are so spoiled. And Jesus said, you're going to need to get over that. You're going to need to get a little tougher. <clears throat> we don't like that news. Whenever a kid tells, tells us, math is hard, we sometimes we'll lie. We'll say, you'll use that later. I've never used it later. <laughs> never. <clears throat> I've never seen a circle. And somebody say, hey, 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 you prove that's a circle. No, no. And if they did, I would just... You know, and they would go to sleep, and I'm, I'm moving on. I don't have to do that. But why do we do it? Because you have to do the hard thing. You have to learn hard things. Your brain has to learn how to learn hard things. And what they don't realize is once the books are closed and they do the little movement of the tassel as they're graduating. Oh, thank you, brother. Um, oh, it's water. Okay. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I use the same joke every single time. Yep, still water. thought there might be a surprise. Um, when the books are closed and the tassels moved, there's, the hard stuff still comes. And the hard things are not a sign that God doesn't love you. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Jesus was starting to recite a psalm that says it looks like that, but through this, he has done it. He has done it. I deal with the loss of friends, and I I deal with intractable pain. And I got to tell you right now, I don't like a bit of it, not a second of it, but also at the same time, more than one thing can be true at one time. It has made me a better person in every single way. More empathetic, kinder. You may not look at me as empathetic or kind, and you might have a point. You ought to have seen me at this stuff not happened. This is me at my best so far. Christ did more than pay for our sins. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. And he showed us how to do the same. Do you remember the, the beautiful poem that became a book, that became a movie, I believe, like in the late 60s, Death Be Not Proud? Yeah, death's not a problem anymore. Because while he was doing this, you want to know how I know that Jesus was good with this? And that he didn't believe that God was done and had deserted us? It's because he forgave. Listen to me carefully right now. He forgave both thieves. We all know the first one, right? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But what did he say about everybody else? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Everybody there was forgiven. Why would he forgive them? Because he believed in the Father, he believed in the plan, and he believed that through this, God has done it. Wow. The cross is not some courtroom maneuver, which is the way I looked at it growing up. It's not a transaction of God paying himself. It is a triumphant display of God's power to defeat everything if we are willing to pick up the cross and be transformed and to be different. Those men, and I ask you to go back and listen, and you may have to listen several times. We, we looked into, is there a way to generate subtitles? And they're really, we don't have that kind of software. We run on a shoestring financially and these things can be very expensive and very complex. So we don't have the staff of the software. But if you listen, you can get enough of it. And if you can't understand it, look at their faces. Every one of them wanted to say thank you to our safe harbor. Every one of them wanted to talk about the lessons. Every one of them wanted to tell you they feel your love. And they're not lying. They really do. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and then was resurrected... The first prophecy was fulfilled because the devil got knocked on the head and received a mortal blow, which will kill him one day. And Jesus was, as the prophecy said, battered and bruised. But only one of the two combatants received the mortal blow, and it wasn't Jesus. Because we do not serve a God who can be killed by human hands. We serve a God who let them think they could. Just as many today think they can. Just as many today think they can ignore him or um, send him to the dust heap of history. Those, both those who kill and both those who ignore are guilty of a grievous error. We have a God who is alive, who alone has the gift of eternal life, and who alone has shown us 
that our pain, our hurt, our loss, our incapacities are not signs of being forsaken, but are signs of God at work. So that when we finally see it all, we can say, as the psalmist does, Psalm 22, he has done it. He has done it indeed. So, the song we're going to close with, and then Barb will come up and do a uh, closing prayer for us. I didn't use all my time, Dave. I was a good boy. Yeah. He says, keep going. Some out there are going, no. And don't hit the fast forward yet. We're, we're good. The song I, I picked for today was, is an old song. I've not actually heard sung probably in churches for 30, 40 years. But I, I think you'll see why the old songs sometimes have the words we want. Even if they may not be the, t- the tune and musical style we want. So I want to know from here how many can help me with this. The old hymn is called The Way of the Cross Leads Home. Now does it make sense to you? I was a boy. I thought it was a threat. (laughs) I really did. Really? That's what we have to do? And the pick up thy cross thing seemed very terrifying, didn't it? But if the cross takes us from where we were to Jesus, isn't it worth picking up? I think those of us outside of prison walls, physical prisons, might need to dwell a little bit more on the way of the cross leads home.